Brady throws the ball downfield. He's got Evans toward the end zone. Evans makes the catch. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. What a great throw by Brady. This is Buccaneers Total Access. Fire the cannons. Brought to you by Frontier. Uncable yourself. Get fiber internet. And by Hooters. Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. Dropping to throw Mahomes. We run a stunt, run a stunt. And we sack him at the 50-yard line. Wow, he's clobbered. Now your host, Bucks team reporter, Casey Phillips. Welcome into Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owl's Nest. I am so excited to be joined by safety Logan Ryan. Logan, thank you so much for being with me. I know, my pleasure. And uh, especially again after, I know, a tough loss and a tough trip. So uh, I know that the, the sleep is probably not abounding currently at the moment. So thank you on a, on a very tough draw of a week to come on. I appreciate you doing it. And I feel like in some ways you're, the, you're a perfect guy to talk to after a game like this. You've been in the league a long time. You know, you've had all the ups and downs and everything in between. So um, in your mind, what is the strategy of how the team moves on from this? How much do you dwell on it? How much do you move on? The ways you try to learn from it? What's, what's sort of the strategy mentally at this point? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in um, that loss only counts as one. You know, so it's just one loss, which we can't afford any at this time of year obviously, but I mean, it's, it doesn't derail us from our goals. And I think you just got to learn from, you got to learn what did they attack to have so much success that they had, obviously defensively against us, offensively, what were they doing? So you got to learn from these things. You got to, you got to take some of these, these down moments and, and, and try to prevent yourself from this happening again and learning yourself more than an opponent. Cause I think that exposed a lot of some flaws we had with ourselves. And then we got to, you know, quickly put this beside us and get ready to play Cincinnati. Cause like I said, our season, uh, our, our lead in division is still there. We have some division opponents to finish the year. So everything that we wanted to accomplish in our first goal in winning the division is still attainable. And that is just one game and one loss. We got to move on from it quickly. Yeah, I mean, it is such a weird place to be in, to be in first place, to be in control of your fate, but also knowing that you guys aren't playing the way that you want to, hope to, know you're capable of. How does that change just the feeling overall when you might not feel like a, a first place team, but you still are. And, and the ways to how that changes, you know, what you guys try to do, fix all of that. That's just such an interesting position to be in. I think it comes down to what your aspirations are as a franchise. And this is a franchise that has a roster and a coaching staff and experience to compete for a Super Bowl. If this is a different franchise in the NFL who hasn't had as much success recently, maybe, you know, leading in the, the division and getting to the playoffs is you know, is, is your Super Bowl. Is enough, right? Is enough. That's not enough for us. So although our number one goal is to win a division and we still still have that, we want to still prepare our team to make a Super Bowl run. And I think that's the frustrating part. But at the end of the day, if you told me that I had four games to go and I had one, one game lead in the division, I would take that. And I don't know if that means that we're, um, you know, 10 and, 10 and 3 or we're six and seven or whatever it is, but I would take four games to go, one game lead. A competitor like myself, I would take that, and a lot of guys will take that, and you gotta take it for what it is, and that's, that's the reality. And I know you mentioned some of the, the, the issues of the self-inflicted wounds that I know, you know Coach Bowles after the game said basically you guys were playing against the 49ers and yourselves, uh, which, which I thought was an interesting quote, that yeah, I mean, when it's things like penalties, what are the hardest things to try to fix and especially where do penalties maybe lie in that or some of the self-inflicted things? And, and to be at this point in the season where there are four weeks left, how much can you do to try to fix that stuff? And, and how challenging are they to, to just know mentally, yeah, we shouldn't be doing this versus actually 
being able to flip that switch and change things? Well, you know, I think penalties, that's very individual case by case basis. So I think if there's an overall alarming amount of penalties throughout a season, you could say it's a discipline issue. Um, defensively, penalties are just sometimes come with playing hard and fast. Like I think the first play of the game, Keanu Neal hitting the quarterback. I don't know if that's a hit to the head. I don't know if that's just a hard hit. But at the end of the day, the NFL is calling hits to the quarterback that look hard. So I don't know what you tell him in that situation. Obviously, they aim a little bit lower. Mm -hmm. um, Carlton Davis's penalty on an interception was not a penalty. So, again, uh, we're playing against ourselves, but that's not a penalty, and that's obviously a game-changing play. So there's some instances there. You know, one thing Coach Rapone, my, my safeties coach, always tells, tells us is no personal fouls. Mm -hmm. And I think those are individual plays, taunting, stuff like that. You definitely That's a discipline issue. But when you're hitting the quarterback hard or you're, you jam a receiver and he falls to the ground, I don't think you can tell a guy to play any differently. Right, that makes sense. And uh, we're talking to safety Logan Ryan. I know uh, McCaffrey and Debo Samuels are um, some pretty formidable opponents. Uh, tell me what is so challenging about each of them individually to take on and then especially them together on the same team and what this has looked like for you guys on the defense preparing for guys like them. I mean, the name of the game in football is, um, is running catching the ball on offense, um, blocking, and defensively it's tackling. And uh, those guys are some of the best runners, catchers of the football, and running with the ball in their hands. Like when you, when you all play little league football, they always put the ball in your hands. We were all quarterbacks and running backs growing up, and then we played defense as well. And then as we went to high school, some of us played both sides. We went to college, you, you know, but those guys, they've been running the ball with their hands since they were little kids, and they were probably special back then, and they're special now. They're just some of the best runners in the world with the football. They're tough, they're strong, they have great change of direction, they have great bursts. Um, so, and the scheme is built around getting them a lot of touches. So I think, um, obviously you see, if you don't keep them bottled up, they're able to, to break out some runs there, and uh, that's what their offense is built around, and they did a good job of that. Yeah, I'd heard a lot of people talking about the way that, yeah, they were gonna have a rookie quarterback play, but the scheme is built in such a way that it sets any quarterback up for a lot of success because of having guys like them and what they were doing. But um, what did you see from Purdy and, and just his performance as a first-time starter and, and what he was able to do with the weapons that they had and, and what was challenging about facing him? I think Purdy did a good job of distributing the ball to his weapons. Obviously, they had design plays for McCaffrey. Um, they had design plays for Debo. Um, and we weren't able to get him off track a ton because we weren't stopping the run efficiently. So anytime they ran the ball, they were kind of getting what they wanted and staying on track. And I think the biggest thing defensively is to get an offense off track and make the quarterback have to do more. And I think to give him credit, he did a good job extending plays. We knew he was athletic, but we had a hard time getting him down. And he, he had some of those moments where he was out of the pocket and he was making some magic happen, which I don't care, uh, rookie or not, those are some big plays that he made in some crucial moments. So you got to give him credit. As uh, you and the rest of the DBs are in meetings today looking over the film, what do you think the biggest things that the coaches are going to be saying uh, to you guys specifically in, in the safety room and corners and just the, the DBs overall of what uh, they took from the game and, and what they're hoping you guys do moving forward? Look, as a defensive back, when we have a bad play, um, the whole world sees it, right? There's, there's, there can be guys up front in the D-line that might – have a few bad plays and the safety makes a tackle. There might be some linebackers that have a bad play and the safety makes a tackle. But when the safety doesn't make a tackle, that's six points. When the corner falls down or, or bites on the double move, it's a touchdown. So we live with a different type of uh, pressure to us and a different type of uh, stage back there. 
And they had some big plays. They had some balls over our head, which we never would have allowed. I allowed one over my head. Uh, we allowed one before halftime, which is unexcusable. Just situationally weren't smart in that moment to give up that, that touchdown right before the half. So those are some moments as a secondary. We got to, no matter what, get the ball caught in front of us or not caught at all and prevent those, those big plays because we can't allow that. You, you talk about how different it is for you guys in that position. What would you say is the mental makeup necessary to be good at that role? And, and do you need to want that, you know, I'm out on an island, everyone's going to know if I mess up? Or do you, is that something that you think that needs to be thrived on or just at least tolerated? You know, what's, what does it take to be successful out there? Yeah, you have to have a different mentality than um, a lot of confidence, some narcissism to you. Um, a lot of guys... Especially in this day and age of social media, a lot of guys can't walk in that locker room and do it. Um, that's why they, they pay some of us the big bucks to do it. Um, they pay the quarterback position a lot of money because there's a lot of pressure that falls on him, and there's some pressure that falls on the secondary. But, um, yeah, you gotta be you got to be comfortable at least in it. you got to be comfortable on the island. you got to be comfortable with the matchup. And then when you, when you give one up, when you have a bad play, you know, you got to be comfortable saying, okay, I had a bad play and I got to go back and there's a lot more out there. And um, it's not baseball. You know, we're not paid to fail seven times. You know, you've, you, you fail seven times at DB, you won't be in this league long. It's a different type of success rate. And you got you to gotta understand what's wins and losses out there. Not every catch means it's a loss. You know, what are you taking away? And like I mentioned, like before the half in some of these situations, we can't give up balls behind our head. Those are losses. And we got to learn from those. And we can't afford a lot of them to be a top defense in this league. I know to be successful, there's both the uh, just kind of standard good solid play, and then there's the splash plays and the big things, and that's a lot of times what fans, you know, judge everybody on. There's a lot more to that, but I know in general, the defense you guys haven't gotten some of those big splash plays that you want, need not as many turnovers. That's been a big point of emphasis so far this year. But turnovers seem sometimes like they're fluky, sometimes like they're they are being created. What would you say, having watched and and of course, you know, you missed a lot of time and we're just getting to sit and watch. What are the things of where some of it's out of our control? And I know in this game, you know, there was an interception that would have happened, but for the penalty, there was the forced fumble. But what are the things that you guys feel like you can or should do to produce more? Or has some of it just been the luck of the draw that it hasn't come your way? Yeah, I think, you know, luck, I think luck is something you're rewarded with, with effort and you're prepared for the opportunity that comes. A lot of it is just opportunity. Are you running to the ball and the ball happened to, like Nelly did a good job of getting the ball out and Levante's right there. Um, so you could create some luck by being around the ball. And I think it's just more of a mentality of, do I make this tackle or can I get the ball out while I make the tackle? I think if you're worried about making a tackle, you're not even looking at the ball. I think if you're worried about covering the guy, you're not even looking to try to get the ball. And I think at the same time, myself included, I'm, I'm a culprit of, of trying to jump some plays and trying to create turnovers and get myself beat. So there's a risk-reward there, but I'm comfortable going back in the game and saying, I know where my calculated risks are and I got to take some in order to make some and I got to live with the result if it doesn't go my way, right? So... I think there's some of that and it's a balance of that, but I think at the same time, when you're communicating and you're in control and you have the deep, you have the offense off track, you're able to rush the passer a little aggressively, you're able to run some more aggressive coverages to try to force and create turnovers. But if you're not able to stop the run, if you're not able to get the quarterback off track, they're able to have what they want available to them, they're able to play pretty safe and not put the ball in harm's way. And when they have a lead like that, they're very rarely going to put the ball in harm's way. So you got to kind of get the team behind or get them get things in your favor to kind of for that ball to come out a little bit more. If not, it's going to take a lot of effort and uh, opportunity. 
Yeah, speaking of the run game, what do you feel like has been the biggest difference in that this year that I know um, this is your first season with the team, but the couple years before that, you know, when since Todd Bowles had gotten here, run defense was like what this team was known for. It was number one in the, in the league each year. And um, what seems to have shifted or changed? And uh, is it is it mental? Is it the actual physical execution? What's What's been going on in that specific area? Yeah, you know, I can't speak as much on it as maybe some others because, like I said, I missed a good chunk of it. And I, I wasn't, like, in all the meetings when I was kind of rehabbing my foot um, to get back when I did. But, I mean, the previous week, the Saints game, I thought our run defense was amazing. I thought, um, since I've been here, it was our best run run game with the runners they had with Taysom Hill and, and Kamari would kind of really nullify them and yeah. um, put the game in Andy Dalton's hands. And then I think um, this game obviously wasn't wasn't as well. I mean, they were creasing us. They were, they were, they were doing a lot of stretch uh, runs and cutting downhill. So our backside, front side, whatever it is, we just were not in the right gaps. Until I watch the film, I'll have to know better. But I think they had a good thing schematically there to, to get some things against us. And um, they have some good runners. And we just weren't able to nullify the scheme um, to put ourselves in a position to be consistently successful. So I got to see what that is. I wasn't here in previous seasons to compare it, but I know we have the guys. I know we have the guys capable. I think just kind of getting uh, on the same page. All right. Well, we have more coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owls Nest with Safety Logan Ryan, brought to you by Frontier and Hooters. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access continues, brought to you by Frontier and by Hooters. Here again is Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owls Nest. I'm joined by safety Logan Ryan. Uh, I've been excited to talk to you about, especially even the idea of Antoine Woodfield and, and what he's done as a safety and moving to nickel. And I know you know he's been hurt a little bit recently, but his success in in both of those positions at such a young age in this league, and I know this is something you can relate to more than almost anybody else, uh, the idea of playing both of the different roles, all sorts of different DV positions, and that that is not an easy given task. So tell me a little bit about Antoine and just what you've seen from him as a safety and then his ability to move into that nickel role. Yeah, Antoine's impressive. Um, I don't know. I, you could tell he has an NFL pedigree to him. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't have an NFL father, so I was always jealous of that. Like, oh, what does that guy got a, a leg up in the combine because he's got NFL pedigree. But he's uh, just a good football player. And we, we mentioned earlier about 49ers having just good football players. Antoine went for those as good of a tackler there is in the league and just explosive and he's a good player and he's smart and he's heady and he's able to handle multiple positions and switching positions like oh what's the difference between a nickel and a corner and a safety and I, I compare it I compare it to this because my wife's a softball player and I like kind of break a lot of things down to her for what like she might understand a little bit more I'm like playing nickel and corner is kind of like the shortstop going to second base right like second baseman don't play shortstop those are corners and then, but there are some really good second basemen, right? So they work together and pretty similar, and, and they're really close to that. Um, what they have to look at, play in and play out as a, as a guy right in front of them. And when you go play middle safety, free safety, that's like going to center field. It is an entire different position. You don't see MLB players going from set, shortstop to center field. Even though they're the best player on the team, you don't see them making that move. They're, they're practicing pop ups all day long. And you have to read so much more formation wise, you have to be so much deeper from the ball. Your keys are so much uh, slower than what it might be to be closer to the line of scrimmage. So switching that in a game is very difficult in your keys and your eyes and your ability of what you're asked to do. And I think some guys can do it. And Winfield is as good as a center fielder as they're out there, but he's also a very, very good nickel. Um, he's young at the position, 
but he has such natural ability and explosion to be a good tackler, which we know. He's a very good blitzer, which we've seen, and he's able to cover um, good enough to play the position. So I, I think the sky's the limit for him. That's incredible, and that's a great explanation for all of that. Um, how about for you, your move corner to safety and all the different things that you've played in your career, what, are, what were the biggest challenges with that, and, and why do you think you were in a position to handle it well? Yeah, well, <clears throat> long time ago, New England drafted me to be a corner, and um, and I had success. I had success at corner. I had a lot of interceptions out there. I think I understood the routes are really limited out there. And yes, you're on an island, but I kind of understood what the routes were. And I always play routes and quarterback more than guys. Mm. So, um, but I had New England moved me around because that's what New England wanted to do. You know, they they brought in a lot of highly paid perimeter corners and say, hey, go compete. And I had to learn to play nickel on the fly just to get on the field. And I ended up doing that, and I had no problem with the physicality of the position. I had no problem with the tackling. And I kind of just do it just to, to, to feed my family. I had no choice. And I got kind of good at it, and then I uh, signed in Tennessee and kind of played a little bit more of that in both. Um, and I think I just had to embrace it. I had to embrace it. Like, you know what? This guy's all pro at that on the island, and maybe I'm just one of the best players to be able to play both. And then I really moved to safety, uh, honestly, for a financial decision because I felt like, um, the nickel position doesn't get paid adequately as a safety would or a corner would. And I think it's... Or like get we, the notoriety as or well. Or the notoriety. There's no Pro Bowl slot for a nickel. There's no All-Pro slot for a nickel, mm -hmm. right? So Winfield might play the nickel, but he has to go to the Pro Bowl or All-Pro against free safeties, and he's not playing free safety. So I think a lot of that stuff's dated in the NFL, you know? And I think you're seeing a lot more versatile players on offense, like Debo Samuel. Is he a running back? Is he a wide receiver? I think you and I have Antoine Winfields and myself on defense. What position is he? So I think coaches are real are are valuing the position, but GMs necessarily aren't valuing it in terms of pay, and the NFL isn't evaluating it in terms of accolades. So yeah. I've tried to change my my position, what I'm labeled as, for a financial decision, and I don't care what I play on the field because I'm a football player. And um, that's the real reason why I moved what I moved. And I had to learn free safety. Like I told you, it was a big difference for me in my eyes. But I'm, I'm one that's one to take the challenge. And, um, and versatility is, is a name to my game. And guys that I grew up just naturally liking, like we, you've probably heard Rondé Barber and Charles Woodson, they've been doing that for years, right? And Rondé still hasn't got his, pro, his uh, Hall of Fame jacket. And I just told you that this league has never rewarded guys who were versatile and maybe it's getting there from the likes of Rondé Barber and stuff like that but uh if I'm another guy I can help you the bridge to that then that, that maybe that's what my career is about yeah it's funny I was just gonna ask if you felt like that was part of the issue of why Rondé has not received the jacket that we all know he so deserves um and and I, I've actually heard people in the building compare you to him for a few different reasons of what you've done on the field and the different positions you've played, but also even just the way you carry yourself and, and what you're about. Would you feel like that's a, a fair comparison or one that you would be happy to have? I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a great, that's a great, um, that's an idol, man. That's just someone who's a fan of the game and, um, you know, someone I grew up watching and I was an Eagles fan growing up because I'm from the South Jersey, Philadelphia area and his I pick so six. I so liked you until right now. His pick sometimes. six. Um, <laughs> Killed, killed us, man. He burnt a lot of hopes, but you had to respect it. And who knows? Hopefully we get to the playoffs and play the Eagles and I can do the same thing. Ooh, yeah. But, um, yeah, man, I'm just if you're a fan of football, you got to love Rondé Barber because he put his body on the line. He was available every game possible. He played through injury. He was tough, and he wasn't afraid to match up with anybody. He was bigger than him. It's kind of like just that 
classic story of the underdog, and that's kind of what he seemed like. That's great. We're talking to safety Logan Ryan. Uh, how about some of the your, your other safeties we talked a little bit about, Antoine? Uh, how about Mike Edwards, and um, what have you seen from from him since you've come in, and and why it just feels like percentage-wise of snaps he plays, <laughs> the number of interceptions this dude has had over the course of his career. Uh, what have you seen about why that was a stat for him for a long time, and uh, and just what he brings to you guys out there? That's a, that's a natural ball hop. That is a natural, Mike is a natural of getting the ball. And like I said, when you live that life, it gets you in trouble sometimes too. But you live with it when you're getting pick sixes. And in order to get pick sixes in this league, that means you got to catch the ball running. That means you read the route the whole time. And, Mike, and Mike's got a few of them because he read it the whole time. So he's got great eyes, great instincts, great change of direction. And um, the role he was in prior in the defense, he kind of got to come in and um, for pass plays. So a lot, of the, a lot of the snaps he was on there was more passes, uh, not to knock on his percentage. And probably with leads, right, because the offense was scoring more and, and the pass rush and the number one run defense, right? So yeah. those are all the things that put you in a position to get turnovers. Right. When you have the number one run defense, when you have a great pass rush, when your offense has a lead, that puts the quarterback in position to force the ball downfield. And when you have a Mike Edwards coming off the bench, um, with the eyes and vision and the break he has, he's going he's gonna to get a lot of interceptions per snap. So... It's a perfect formula, and that's what you bring guys in. Those are the those are the rotational pitchers you bring in. If we're going back to baseball. Those are the relievers and the closers you bring in to go close the job. And I've I've been that in my career too, and it happens when you have all that that's working in your favor. Yeah, and how about uh, Keanu Neal? We saw uh, that first play. It sucks that it was a penalty, but this dude knows how to hit, and it is just <laughs> crazy. And it, and it's also funny to me because he's so even keel off the field. Oh, yeah. He's so chill. He's, he's so calm. Yeah, not real talkative. And then he just murders people out there. And uh, what is it like to watch that? And what what does that bring to you guys as a room and to a defense to have a guy like him? He's a, he's a true introvert. And this is why you don't go around and mess with people randomly on the street who don't talk a lot. Because you just don't know what's really in there. And, yeah, he's a, football is an outlet for him. And I don't know what he's letting out, but it's a lot. And um, <clears throat> that, is, that is a guy that has natural, crazy pop an explosion out of his hips and violence. Um, and he's, all his hits are huge hits. I mean, he has highlight tapes of thing of hitting everybody on our offense uh, alone in play when he was in Atlanta. So he is, um, he's got that ability, a Cam Chancellor to him. And unfortunately, the NFL is just taking that out of the game. You know, there's guys that are in the Hall of Fame that's like known for their violence of hits. And I think about John Lynch. We just play the 49ers and the Buccaneers. Yeah, yeah. Those are huge plays, and now they're 15-yard penalties. Think about the difference of momentum and everything that changes. And that's just, that's just the NFL that it, it's becoming, and it takes players like him and some of those hits, and now they're flags, and that, that's such a, change, a swing when it comes to it. But still, it's a tone-setting thing. It's a, um, it's a guy you want on your team, and I don't care – what the rules are in NFL still gets you juiced a little bit. How have you seen things change for you in your career, and have you had to adjust how you play because of it? I, I can't say I was always like – I will say this. I think that what made me change is I'm very aware when I play of penalties and not getting penalties and not hurting my team and stuff like that. So there, there's been times where I've been put in a position where I'm like, I see a defenseless receiver screaming down the middle and I'm breaking and I'm trying to get the ball off him, obviously. And I want to go 
make that hit, but I don't want to hit him in the head. Mm-hmm. And I want to go make that hit, but I don't want to take his knees because, listen, I just broke my foot. You know, I'm not a proponent of, of taking players' knees because this is people's livelihood. Mm-hmm. So it puts you in a position as a defender of, like, where can I even hit the guy? So that obviously takes a little steam off of you. So I just became a guy that's only focused on getting the ball. I tackle the ball. Everything I do, if I miss a tackle, it's probably because I was trying to get the ball. And to me, I'm just trying to get the ball. That's the safest way to play. That's the safest way to for, for your team. And getting the ball off of guys is the best way as a defender to help your team win the game. And that's why I started punching so much, punching at the ball. And I'm known for that, of, of stripping guys and taking the ball and not even tackling them because that is the – honestly, sometimes at safety, it's the, it's the only chance you have because everything else could be a, a penalty or or you could be taking a guy's career, which at the end of the day, this is – we want to win every game possible, and I do too, but I don't want to end guys' careers. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And for you, the, what role do you feel like – Coming here with the Bucks, what did coaches say they wanted of you, from you, and, and what you felt like looking at this team and this room, were you like, okay, this is what I think that my role should be, what I should bring, and, and how has that played out? I know that the injury derailed a lot of that, but for you, what is that that's like, this is the Logan Ryan that I want to bring to this team? Yeah, I wanted to bring myself, and that was somebody that was just a great teammate and uh, willing to, um, a leader. I know everyone says nowadays, oh, I lead by example, I lead by example. And I lead by example, but I lead by my words too. You know, I, I, I say things how I see them. I'm very honest. And I try to be a bridge of what Coach Bowles wants. And I spend a lot of time with Coach Bowles and getting that directly to the players of like, hey, this is what we want. We got to get this done. And selflessness. I think I, I think I still have the ability to be a really good player. And I, I try to do that. And honestly, they, what they asked me to do was to be a communicator and a veteran leader on the team in the secondary. The secondary has been young for years, and uh, it's a lot of guys who have a lot of talent who have won a championship, but they're young and they've been dealing with injuries and need to communicate better in the back end. So I just kind of was that guy to come in and communicate in the back end and try to be a Chris Paul for the Phoenix Suns. You know, come in and you have this young, talented roster and try to get them all um, playing to the best. And, you know, there's still work to do. I think I'll be judged on that at the end of the season, how far we can take it. But um, injury or not, that was my goal to come in and, 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 and be heard and felt like immediately, not feel my way into this thing. And that's what I try to do. Yeah, the communication part is what I've heard everyone talk about, that over and over when your name comes up, that's what Coach Bowles has said, everybody talks about, which is what an incredible communicator you are with them. And um, what are the biggest things that you feel like you are good at communicating? Take us through kind of what that looks like for a play in a meeting, you know, on and off the field, right. what are, what are the biggest ways that you are, what are you communicating and what are you hopeful rubs off on the, what are, what are other guys yeah. maybe not communicating as much that you hope you see improvement on? Well, the first, the first thing is like in this day and age, there's a lot of people more to themselves, like in terms of they're on their phone and stuff like that. So are we going to have a, a moment of like these young whippersnappers where we talk about all these, these <laughs> no, young guys I'm just, and complain I'm just trying to tell you what I, the old people I, here, I'm just you know? trying to tell you what I, what I try to bring. So what, what I did try to bring is like a sense of camaraderie off the field. So let's try to do some dinners weekly and try to set up some, some ice-breaking things where we're all just going out hanging out more, right? Because I think at this position, like I said, there's a lot of – that's all your fault. There's a lot of finger-pointing at the individual position of DB. So I think offensive line in DB needs to be some of the tightest-knit groups because we play a lot of cohesion in terms of passing routes off and, and I need you here and i got to feel you there. 
And it's one thing if I only hung out with you nine to five. If I actually, you're at my house and you knew my kids and my wife, then I feel like there's a more of a natural brotherhood to it. So I try to, I try to bring that and I try to get how everyone operates. Like Keanu's an introvert and I know how Winfield is and Winfield's really good at Call of Duty and <laughs> so-and-so is like, I know what everyone kind of likes and I try to just talk to them in their own lane. Like I try to be that person. If we do need to talk, I talk to them that way. And then when in terms of on the field, I watch a ton of film and I spend a lot of time with Coach Bowles and I try to learn the defense even though I'm new. And if I know the play, I'm gonna tell you the play. So if I know, hey, Casey, it's coming your way, go, th go do this, and you do it, and you make a play, you're like, oh shoot, Logan just told me the play. So I try to figure out the offense's play as quickly as possible from my experience and from my studying, and I don't keep the answers to the test to myself, right? I share the answers to the test to everybody. Like, I make the cheat sheet, and I'm like, hey, look at this, look at that. So. I try to diagnose the offense's plays and their players as quickly as possible and get that information live to help other guys make plays and help myself make plays. And I like to say a lot of times I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I tell them it's the wrong play and I say, hey, that's on me too. I take ownership when I'm wrong. Um, if there's players on our team that need to be talking to for not doing a good job and they don't, most guys don't talk to them because of who they are in the locker room, I'm the guy that goes up and talks to that guy because I don't like... Um, anybody being bigger than anyone's, anyone else. So I just think I'm just that constant, real presence where I'm like, I'm your real friend. I'm gonna tell you when you're really playing bad and when you're really playing good and you tell me the same. And I think we need to surround ourselves with real friends and not fake friends. So that's what I kind of try to bring all in one, but on the field, the communication is alerting what's coming, alerting that it's third down, they like to do this, this might be coming, watch, don't jump off sides, watch the QB sneak. And I might not be able to make all those plays, but I might be able to help our guys play a step faster. That is incredible. All right, we have more coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owls Nest with Safety Logan Ryan. Brought to you by Frontier and Hooters. This is Buccaneers Radio. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access. Brought to you by Frontier and by Hooters. Here's Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owls Nest. I'm joined by Safety Logan Ryan. Uh, before the break, you were talking about how you, you spent a lot of time with Coach Bowles and uh, working on learning the scheme and the defense. So tell me for you, uh, what do you like about his scheme? What is in particular, maybe from the safety role, how it sets you guys up for success and, and just having a, a defensive minded head coach, you know, what that's been like for you to, to be able to come in here with. Well, I, I personally love the defensive head coach come a defensive player. So, I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of, um, what would I say? Live feedback on us if we're messing up, you know, he's watching us. So yeah. he knows uh, but he's played the position, and the thing about Coach Bowles, what people don't understand, he's one of the few people in the world that calls the game. Like, he, he watches the game on the sideline. He's calling the defenses live. Like, we see how Sean McVay calls offenses and tells the quarterback to play and the defense. And Kyle Shanahan, Coach Bowles is one of the few that does that on, on defense, and he's a, good enough to be a head coach to do that. So he's putting us in positions, I think, in his mind, to make the play. So it takes some of the thinking out of it because he's calling defenses based on what he thinks the offense is going to run live. And that's very hard to do, and very few in the world can do that. So I, I, I do love that. That's different, and it takes some of the thinking away from me. This is by far the largest and biggest scheme and amount of plays that I've ever been a part of. So the, our, our playbook is, is massive, and I think the details in it, because it's so big, is what we need to improve on. It's a large playbook, and I think we need to improve on the details. And in my first year in the scheme, I wish I had five years in it or four years in it to help everybody with the nuances of it. But I'm, I'm studying extra, getting a master's here in Bowles' system because it's, it's pretty large. And it's very 
um, communication driven and very safety driven because he was a former safety. So he expects a lot from that position. And I'm sure that your injury definitely didn't help with all of that because there's you can only study so much off the field and so much of it is just getting in there and doing it, I'm sure. And so how did, uh, first of all, just how that was that when you realized that you were going to be out for a while, that the challenge, I know that you've had injuries in your career before, so I don't know if that makes it better or worse that sometimes you know the challenge that comes with it or, hey, you know, I've done this before. So what was that like to, to deal with that injury and, and what were the ways that you approached it this time around? Yeah, well, the injury was very, it was serious to the point where I didn't know if I was going to be able to return this season. So it was, um, Fortunately and unfortunately, I've dealt with injuries, but I've never missed this much amount of time. Um, There's always things I could play through. I played through a torn bicep. I played through a torn labrum, um, upper body things. I just pain tolerance, stuff like that. Um, I, I broke my ankle before, but that was in week 15. So I only missed the last game of the season where this is like happened early in the season. And this was like, um, do you shut it down? Do you, do you try to push it? So I pushed it. I've, I've, I always view cha- uh, injuries as challenges in life. And um, not only do I want to walk around and be a great player, but I want to walk around and be there for my kids. So I'm going to rehab extremely hard. And there was a lot of early mornings and late nights that don't need to be talked about, but they happened. And to get back in this position, now I got to get back on my feet and learn. And, and from the non reps I took and in time away, play at a good enough level for our defense as well. So that's obviously the. That, that's the challenge right now to be good enough for the team um, so yeah I'm a reps guy I believe in reps I, I believe in you know shooting 100 free throws at the end of practice you know I believe in taking a lot of lot of practice reps that's why I don't like to miss practice and um, so just getting those reps back it's going to take time how close do you feel to 100% at this point I, I'm not big on percentages um, but I feel that I'm good enough to go out there and play and the rest will be excuses. So at the end of the day, I put myself in a position to come back from this injury as fast as I did, and uh, I'll deal with it when it's time to deal with that. But I'm good enough to play out there for the team, and and the rest I'll just I'll figure it out. I know that uh, I always love when I bring players on here, and I love when they have foundations or things like that. That I love to let guys get a chance to talk about what they're passionate about, you know, off the field as well. And I know yeah. that uh, you have a great foundation too. And it was recently the My Cause My Cleats, and you supported it. So tell everyone a little bit about. Uh, the foundation you guys have and, and why you're passionate about it. Yeah, my wife and I started a uh, an animal rescue foundation. We're big animal lovers. We have two rescue dogs. Uh, we've had foster kittens in the past. Uh, we rescued rats. Um, you name <laughs> that it. That one I had not heard yet. You name it, we've had it. Um, it's called RARF, Ryan Animal Rescue Foundation, 51C3. Me and my wife started five years ago. One of the largest minority-run animal foundations in, in the world. Uh, there's very few minority-run animal foundations um and uh we rest we we raise money we raise awareness but we raise money and i donate a lot of money um to help shelter your local shelters um tampa humane's one we work with a lot um all around the country even in saint lucia internationally to help animals get adopted um help rescue dogs and cats spay neuter some um vaccine clinics you name it we've done it and everything is me and my wife we run the foundation so it's not like um this big old you give the money, you have no idea where it goes. So I wore the cleats. Obviously, um, they were bright. I wore them on Monday Night Football. I auctioned them or I auctioned them off personally, not through the NFL. Did a raffle um, for twenty dollars. You can get a chance to win the cleats. You got a chance to win the, the game worn jersey from the game, or you got a chance to win two tickets to a Bucks game, and that raised thousands of dollars. That's so, thank for everyone who who done that. The winners have been chosen. Unfortunately, maybe I'll do it again. 
But it was great, and all that money's going directly away, so you can write it off, tax write-off. But um, that money's going away to help some animals in Tampa um, this holiday season, people with dog food and stuff like that. We're always going to find ways to help the immediate area and, and, and the country and stuff that we see fit. And the reason why I chose animals, my wife, um, early in our marriage, or actually when we were dating, she worked at an animal shelter. So she worked at an animal shelter and, I, and making minimum wage. And she just has a heart. She has a, she's one of those volunteers, one of those people that, don't care about the money, cares more about making a difference and could care less if I play in the NFL or not. Honestly, she loves me for me and that's why I'm with her and, and I love her for the heart that she has. And we're big, we're big volunteers on, on top of what we do. And that's our amazing. kids are as well. That's awesome. And did, were you able to bond with uh, Chris Godwin, the fact that that's also his cause that he's uh, you know, near and yeah. dear? It's hard how cool for you. T- you talk about how few there are in the country and now here's there's you know, two yeah. on the same team. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I mean, him and his wife are doing a great job. And um, they're younger in the game than us when it comes. So he's had questions, and we've our our foundations have spoke to each other and and try to try to make it as um, as great as it can be. It's not an easy thing to do. People think you just have a foundation. I'm just going to pay someone to run something, but this is a, a true company. This is a true business where I have meetings and I have employees and we have a board. And it's it, you think it's fun and games. Just I talk about it on this, but it's actually stuff that we spend a lot of time. To make, to make it great because if you're taking people's donations, you there's responsibility to those people. Yeah. So everyone who's donated to RARF, you can donate on RARF.org or any of my social medias, you'll see the links. But all that stuff, especially this holiday season, will be great. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and speaking of, of Chris, I mean, I know that you've got a chance to face our wide receivers a little bit in practice, but just watch them a lot. And uh, as a guy who's played all the different positions back there, uh, tell me what it would it is like to face them in the times you have in the past and then uh, you know, now being on the same team with them to, to just learn even more about what guys like Mike and Chris and this whole wide receiver room, just what they bring to the table and, and how incredible their, their skill set is. Yeah, I mean, they have such different, um, like, roles, right? Like, Mike plays a different position than Chris. Chris kind of is that, that, like we talk about that Winfield, that do-it-all type of guy for the offense, and Mike is one-on-one. He's a tough matchup for any corner. So I actually played the Bucks in 2019 in Tennessee, a lot of bragging rights here. We, we unfortunately beat the Bucks, and I had an interception to end the game, um, but I covered Chris a lot. Um, so I, I, I went against it firsthand. I got dirty with Chris in terms of blocking and him. He's physical, and us, we're both going into the pile and stuff like that. Then I got to go out there and cover Mike, who's six foot five and is a basketball player. So it's tough, man. It's tough. Those guys are very have very different skill sets, but they're a great duo. And... Um, I've played against this offense, and I know how, how dangerous it can be. Who did you grow up watching and enjoying? It was, and was it defensive guys mainly because that's what you were going to eventually go on to be, or was it all over the place? Who were some of the, the players you most enjoyed watching growing up? Man, I loved watching um, LaDainian Tomlinson. He was one of my favorite players. I used to do that little flip in, in high school when I scored touchdowns. Um, in, and then... I was an Eagles fan, so I I liked um, Brian Dawkins. Just his intensity that he brought to the game was was great. I mean, I still don't know guys are crawling out the tunnel. You know, I think that would be corny to a lot, but I think that was really him. Yeah. Um, and then I I, I kind of just gravitated toward defensive players because that's what I was kind of knew that was that's where my future was. So uh, Rondé, Charles Woodson, like I talked about, um, Darrell Revis, I think is the best press man corner ever. So those are just guys. I mean, a throwback in Little League, I was always a versatile player. It was uh, Cordell Stewart slash. So there was just always 
guys that kind of like the versatile guys uh, were always the guys I was watching. That's pretty cool. And how about now? Who are some of the people that you really admire around the league and especially, you know, at the DB position maybe that, that you enjoy watching some film of them or, or you just admire their game? I'm a big year 10 guy, man. My draft class, um, Darius Slay is doing a great job still. James Bradbury was my teammate. He's not a year 10 guy, but he was my teammate in New York, and he's, they're doing a great job for the Eagles. Um, I really like Xavier Howard in Miami, the corner. I think he's – I played in that kind of system. It's very aggressive, and he, and he gets the tough matchup every week. And Stephon Gilmore has been doing it. A long time. So a lot of those vets, man, I root for them. I always watch their games. I always pick their games um, because I try to take take some for everybody. Like, okay, what is, what is, what is he doing? Like, I think I don't treat this like just a, a game or a job. I treat this as a craft, right? And I really, when you really want like are obsessed or like you're studying your craft, you want to see what other people in your industry are doing and why they're successful and what they got. And okay, they can do that. Maybe I can pick this up for them. So those are just some guys um, I watched a little Winfield when I was in, in New York. I was like, who's this young safety? Like, let me see what he's doing. Yeah. Okay. So I watched him. And um, now it's just so much of, of just the Bucks because I'm, I'm really trying to learn this system, like, to the, to the T. So just watching our guys and constantly evaluating. And I'm my own toughest critic. So I know people might say a lot of mean things to me or hate when I have good or bad days or whatever. But trust me, I'm the hardest on myself. And, and I, know, I know the mistakes I make. I'm just trying to learn from them. All right, we have one more segment coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owl's Nest with Safety Logan Ryan. Brought to you by Frontier and Hooters. This is Buccaneers Radio. Now more on Buccaneers Total Access. Brought to you by Frontier and by Hooters. Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. It's time for our final segment here on Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owl's Nest with Safety Logan Ryan. And, uh, you know, you were talking before the break about how you really treat this like a craft. So I would love to hear what game prep looks like for you. So this week, from start to finish, kind of what are the ways that you handle studying the other team, studying what you guys are needing to be doing, especially I love that you brought up earlier something about how you play the, I think the routes and the quarterbacks more than the guy. So I feel like a lot of times I hear people talk about the little tendencies of another player. Is that still something that you really prioritize or are you more about just kind of in the moment reading that route and the quarterback? Yeah, so I think uh, to answer your last question about what do I read, I think that's more coming from a safety perspective now. Like when I was a corner, it was much more on the guy and the tendencies. Like I would know if his left foot was up or his right foot was up. If he um, was standing on top of the numbers or inside the numbers, and I would just calculate what routes he ran from those spots. And if I knew he has a route that breaks off at five yards. He has a route that breaks off at 10 yards. And after 10 yards, he only runs a go. So I would say, okay, we're at five, nothing. Oh, we're at 10, nothing. Oh, we're a go. Let me look for the ball. I would always try to put myself in an advantage where when I can look for the ball. And then they might run some route that they never ran before, and that might get me beat. But I knew the reasons why, right? I was always playing calculated poker. So kind of reading routes and stuff, as a safety, I got to see the whole concept. When I, when I kind of go down to like my week in here before this, very little sleep, probably operating on five, six hours of sleep, I'd had to go to something for my, my kids this morning, a little Christmas thing. So that's a good way to shake me back to reality after a really tough loss. I've got to get my body right. got to get my foot right. A lot of time is going to my foot right now to get that. Um, it doesn't feel good day after games when you're playing with a semi-broken foot. So we're kind of getting that in a, in a, in a decent spot. Uh, we're going to watch this film. I'm going to lift, get my body. We tend to lift the day after the game to flush that. It's the hardest lift of the week because you're just on a five-hour flight and you just play the game. 
but it kind of do, does get you feeling better the next day. We're going to watch this film and take the coaching and learn from it. Uh, Tuesday's typically our off day, but we'll host a DB meeting where we'll come in with Coach Bowles and kind of break down the next team, and I'll get some treatment on my foot again. Wednesday, Thursday are our hardest work days. Those are, those are 12, 13 hours days for me, up, you know, 5.30, 6 a.m., getting out around 5.30, 6 p.m. And um, those are just installing everything, so completely all the new plays, learning about the new team, practicing, um, just your longest grueling days of the week. And then Friday is typically your fast Friday, we call it in the NFL. And we'll come in, we'll have an extra meeting with Bowles again with the DBs and the linebackers now to kind of get uh, a little cleanup of what we saw all week, what we're anticipating, kind of our red area, kind of the situational stuff where the red zone stuff goes in and kind of some special plays might go in on Friday and you kind of get out around midday. So it's kind of like a half day for us. And then I'll stay in that half day and get my body ready and make it a full day. And then Saturday we're traveling and we're on the road and there might be a meeting with Bulls there too. And so, like I said, it's filled with some extra meetings, some 12 hour days, a lot of lifting. And then the, the key to longevity in this league is taking care of your body. And that's all extra. So that's getting up early and doing an hour earlier to get that in. Or that's doing an hour later when everyone leaves to get that in. So that's what the injuries and that stuff, that's what it takes is more time. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to do that, you don't have to do that, but your body will break down throughout the year yeah. and you won't be available for your teammates. Yeah, we're talking to safety Logan Ryan. And uh, I know you, just based on the schedule you talked about, it's not like you guys are at a place where you've done the extensive work on the Bengals yet, but what do you know about them at this point that uh, looking at that offense, the things that you guys are really going to have to key in on? What everybody knows, right? You know who uh, Joe Burrow is, right? So we know he's very cool and calm in the pocket, and he seemed like a winner. Uh, we know who Jamar Chase is, right? We know they have really good, three good receivers, uh, and they have some good running games. So it seems like they have an explosive offense. Defensively, it seemed like they returned a lot of guys from their from their run from the Super Bowl um, last year. So it seemed like their whole team is back, and they've had some success. They have a way to beat the Chiefs. Um, success against the Chiefs more than some other people have, more than we had this year. So we got to learn that. We got to learn what they do. I know they're never out of it with the quarterback they have, and they have some good runners too. So it's just a really um, offense that has a lot of explosion to it. And this is a game for the second year. We got to be on the same page to keep those plays in front and uh, get the ball back to Brady. Yeah. So what are the biggest things that you feel like you want to see from the secondary as a whole, maybe defense as a whole, these last four games? Yeah. No matter what anyone thinks, you want to get to the playoffs. You never want to complain about being in the playoffs because yeah. it's completely a new season. And we've seen like this Bucks team make a run in the playoffs from the seat that they were in. So anything is possible there. You get in the playoffs, that's all that matters. And that's all we're worried about. And we're worried about the Bengals right now, honestly. And what I want to see is just a, a, a calmness about us. Um, not every game is going to go perfect. Not every call is going to go our way. They might score a touchdown in, in these next four games. How do we respond, right? The offense might have an interception or a fumble. How do we respond? We can't panic and be frustrated about the up and down all season. Every time something goes wrong in the game, the pass truly is irrelevant to this point. And uh, all we can do is control what we're doing going forward. And in that moment, good play or bad play, we got to act like we've been there before and respond. And I think kind of taking those, those blows, like the Bengals have good players and they might make a play. That's what they get paid to do. And if they do, how do we respond? And how do we limit the effectiveness of that play? Right. And I think a, a good play doesn't have to be a touchdown if you if you if you're doing what you're supposed to do as a defense, right? And um, a bad call doesn't have to be a game-changing call or 
a touchdown doesn't have to be the end of the game, end of the world. And I think um, if we kind of have some of that about us, that belief about us, I, I think we'll be okay. But I think I want to make sure that panic isn't setting in. Can I tell you how much we appreciate you coming on after, a again, a long trip, a tough game, uh, when I'm sure you've got a lot that you're already trying to do to prepare for the next one. So we appreciate that. And I definitely want to give you one more chance to tell everyone a little bit about the, the website and how to donate to your foundation as well. So the website is rarf.org, Ryan Animal Rescue Foundation. Uh, my Instagram is Logan Ryan. My Twitter is real Logan Ryan. I even got a TikTok real Logan Ryan. Where I think you're going to see a lot of me and, and my family and the animal stuff. And at the end of the day, I know I'm new to the team, relatively new to the team and new to Tampa, but I'll always do stuff for the community. I always care about people. It's the holiday season. I'll be giving a lot of stuff away to people. And long trip, tough game, but I want people to understand that even my worst day is, is a blessed life for, for some other people. So I'm very mindful of that. I'm very grateful for that. I work really hard to have this mindset and mentality. I will and we will learn from the mistakes we made and be better, but at the end of the day, I'm very blessed and very fortunate and thankful, and that's why I try to help animals because they can't help themselves, and that's why I try to help people and kids that can't help themselves and try to give a lot away. That is incredible. Well, we love having you here and your whole family, and, and again, thank you so much, and, and good luck this next week. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. That's been Buccaneers Total Access from the Hooters Owls Nest with Safety Logan Ryan, brought to you by Frontier and Hooters. This is Buccaneers Radio.